The scripture this morning comes from, from Mark. We'll be looking at the two trials of Jesus. We begin Mark 14, verses 53 through 65, and then we'll move through chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against them, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked them, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. And some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. And we go to chapter 15, but... Very early in the morning, the chief priests, with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked them, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Now it was a custom at the feast to release a, a prisoner whom the people requested. A man named Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? 
What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But he shouted all the louder, crucify him, wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The word of the Lord. Father, your word is open in front of us. A word you gave to shape and form us into the people you've created us to be. So we pray these This word may make its way deep inside our minds and our hearts and our souls to shape us. And I pray that the words which will be spoken now, may they be your words and not mine. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, people look to Paris. And they watched the burning of Notre Dame and people wept. They wept for the loss of something sacred. And as I watched and as I listened, I wondered if the weeping for the loss of something sacred was more than just the loss of a building but whether it was a loss of something sacred deep inside them, something that they've lost long ago, but came to realize in that moment that they need, they still need, they need a sacred one, one who can, one who can change them, one who can bring them hope, one who can help them make sense of the world. And on this day, years and years and years ago, our sacred one went to the cross. He was taken away from us. I had a young man ask me, when you read this story of Jesus You read this story of his trials. You read his journey to the cross. Don't you have any questions? He says, I don't even accept him. And yet, I have so many questions that go through my head and my heart. And I said, yes. I said, I have so many questions I wrestle with. Many of them are why questions. Jesus is arrested on the darkest day of history. A day when when God dies for his creation. Without Jesus' death, all the hope in the world is lost and creation is lost with it. And yet, when I return to this story, my questions really begin when the soldiers arrest Jesus. And he goes quietly. He doesn't struggle back. He goes through two crazily unfair trials where he's convicted of blasphemy, of making God smaller and making himself bigger. And then he's 
taken to Pilate and he's, he's charged with treason of making Caesar smaller and making himself bigger. And I ask why. And I wonder, why does everybody hate Jesus so much? What has he done to deserve people's hatred? He's walked through the land for the last three years, teaching and preaching and and healing and offering hope and, and offering forgiveness. And yet there's this deep, deep hatred. And it's stirred by by people who are threatened by Jesus. Threatened by a man who says, power is not found in, in what you can do and what you control, but power is found in giving it up, in serving, in grace, in forgiveness, in generosity, instead of keeping for yourself giving it away. And the leaders among the Jews say this threatens our position. It threatens us. It threatens our way of life. And they say, no. We can't have this. If Jesus gets his way, What will become of me? What will become of our way of life? And just maybe, maybe it'll make God unhappy. But God comes after themselves and their own needs. And then Jesus says, you can't just Follow me. You have to give me your whole life. There's no following me for a little bit and then going back. I demand everything you are and everything you have. And that threatens people still today. And if we're honest, it threatens us as well. Because to hand our whole life, our heart, our soul, and everything we have to Jesus and say, do with it what you want, is a scary thing. And then I ask, why death? I can see the anger, I can see the hatred, but, but why not just, just cast them out, throw them away, say leave, don't come back? Why death? It comes because we sin. And we find the answer already back in the beginning. When, when there's only one man and one woman And God says, I'm putting you into this garden. And there's only one rule that you have to follow. Don't eat from these trees. If you do, you'll die. 
penalty for disobedience. The penalty for sin is death. And death is that great enemy. So God says, I'll send someone. I'll send someone to take that punishment on himself for you. But that someone has to also be God. And God comes in that person of Jesus. But again, God demands our all. So when Jesus goes to the cross, we just don't say thank you and go on with our lives. We say, here's my life too. But why two trials? Why does Jesus have to go through this farce twice? Why does he have to be condemned by the Sanhedrin and then condemned by Pilate? He's condemned by God's people. He's condemned by his own people. He's condemned of blasphemy, of saying that he is God. He's God's son. And for the people, that was... That was something that tore their hearts apart. Something that created so much fear because blasphemy, blasphemy is about making God small. It's about saying, I am more important than God. And blasphemy was such, such a horrific thing for God that the punishment was death in the Old Testament. But the Jewish people couldn't kill one of their own. So they had to get Rome involved. They had to get Pilate involved. But they knew that Pilate didn't care. Rome doesn't care about blasphemy. Do whatever you want with your God. It don't matter. So they said he also calls himself king. Messiah. Anointed one. The one who's going to save his people. And for Rome, that was treason. That was Jesus saying, I am king and your Caesar is under me. And that was unacceptable as well. The penalty for treason is death. And Pilate had that power. So that's why there had to be two trials. The people of God and the world both reject Jesus. It just shows us where our hearts are at. And then for me comes that question, why doesn't Jesus defend himself? And I get so frustrated when I, I read the trials and Jesus stands there quietly. Jesus didn't have to take this. I get angry because, because he's being dishonored. There, 
They spit on him. They strike him. They mock him. This is our God. This is, this is the one who's come to give everything for us. And he stands there and just takes it. And for me, it just boils inside. Why don't you defend yourself? And there's prophecy involved. Isaiah says he stands quietly like a lamb before the, uh, before the altar and, he, and he's quiet. But I think it's because Jesus also knows our hearts. And when we determine something, when we want something so badly for ourselves, when we hate so deeply, there is no words that was going to change their hearts. So Jesus stands quietly. And in his quietness, in his silence, the people condemn themselves. And then there's Pilate. He's the most powerful person in Israel. And yet he wants to satisfy the crowd. It's like he's afraid of the people. And then you have to look into his history. Pilate's a selfish, greedy man. He got this post in, in, in Jerusalem, and, and his only job was to make sure that the people didn't rebel because the Jewish people, they could not stand being under the yoke of Rome because it went against everything about who they saw themselves to be as God's people. They could not stand being slaves to someone else. But Pilate comes, and he's going to show his power. He's going to show his authority. And he does some horrific things. Thousands of Jewish people lose their lives. And he's so cruel that, that the Jews actually send a delegation to Caesar and say, if you don't do something about this man, you have no idea what we're capable of. And Caesar tells, Rome, tells Pilate, smarten up. Don't you dare, dare let this lead to a rebellion again. We've had that problem before, and I don't want that problem again. So Pilate operates out of fear. Not fear of God. Not fear of Jesus. But out of fear of the people. And how often don't we allow fear to shape our lives, to make us do things we know that aren't wise, that really don't please God. So let's not condemn too quickly. And now death, death is a penalty. But my last why question has always been why crucifixion? That was such a cruel way to die. It was chosen to send a message to the conquered people. Don't you dare stand up against me. 
He's nailed to a cross, hung in a hot sun, and left there to let his life just drip away. Where all his loved ones can stand below. And he can see their pain and their sorrow as well. And then we remember that Jesus said that Satan, Satan is a ruler of the realms of the air. And we remember in Deuteronomy where, where God says, cursed is the one who is hung on a pole. See, Jesus, by being rejected by, by, by the, his own people, by God's people, by the faith leaders, is rejected by God because he takes the sin of the world on himself. So he doesn't belong in heaven. And Jesus is rejected by the people of the earth, by both his own people and by the power of the earth. And he hangs between heaven and earth, that place of power for Satan and the powers and principalities. And it's in that place that Jesus defeats Satan on his own ground, in his own place of power. And he defeats him by dying, by taking God's punishment on himself for all humanity. So many questions. We've just looked at the why questions. And I know some people say, why do we ask questions? Isn't questions wrong? But, but Jesus asks questions constantly because he knows that, that when we ask questions, we need to seek answers. And in seeking answers, we seek God. We seek his scripture. We seek the spirit and his guidance. And Jesus also knows, God also knows that when we find answers, so often we stop searching. So the Spirit keeps moving in our hearts to ask questions and then to seek, to seek answers. But don't be satisfied with just answers. Because this is, this is all about a relationship. A relationship between us and Jesus, us and God, us and the Holy Spirit. A relationship that is so broken that only Jesus can heal. That only Jesus can repair. That only Jesus can make things right again. So on Good Friday, we look to the cross. And we say it's good because God cares so much. And he says, I'll do anything, even die, because I love you so much. Amen.